Welcome to the From Paddock to Plate Network. I'm Louise Fitzroy, the founder of From Paddock to Plate. From the grapevines of the Barossa Valley to political reporting in Queensland, living in Spain, contributing to publications such as the renowned Frankie, working with RSPCA South Australia, and now heading up the National Milkwood Marketing Team in between consultancy work and writing. I'm excited to introduce you to permaculture enthusiast and storyteller, Corin Helbig. The word sustainability, uh, permaculture, can sound really overwhelming. Uh, it's it's a huge space when you think about it, and a lot of people have come to me and and mm. and asked, you know, where 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 do you start? Where where can we start as individuals uh, in the sustainability realm, uh, working towards actively pursuing permaculture in our everyday lives? What small changes can we make or permi principles? I like how you call them permi principles. Can we make in our daily lives to soften our footprints and, and make a difference? Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. It can feel so overwhelming. Um, you know, when we're in this climate crisis and it feels like every day there's a new story out about something that we do every day that's really bad for the environment and you can kind of get to a place where you're like, what what can I, you know, is it just destructive to be a human? And I know how shutting down that can feel. Um, So I think where we're at right now is a really good opportunity to be aware of that big picture and everything that's going on globally, but focus on small things that we can do at home. And the easiest way I'd say to get started is just literally pick one thing. That's like one one small thing that you know you're doing that perhaps there's a better way to do it. Um, and develop that habit just keep working at that until it becomes something that's really um, just normal that you don't even think Mm. about anymore and that's the point where you can kind of start something else and this is kind of why I like permaculture because um, it has these 12 principles that are a really good practical guide for getting started Um, a lot of people think that permaculture is all about gardening and um, yeah it does have a big gardening focus or food gardening specifically Um, because we know that the way food's currently produced is, you know, pretty unsustainable from um, tilling to um, broadacre monocropping to transporting to chemicals to single-use plastic. Like there's a lot going on there. So, you know, permaculture does look at solutions to that. But these 12 principles are pretty broad and they can actually be applied to anywhere, any area of your life, like your garden, your home, your business, your working relationships um so yeah if I sort of take one example um there's a principle around produce no waste so this is one that my partner Carmelo and I have been playing around with for the last couple of years okay um and one of the things that we first looked at was food waste so we know that food waste is um pretty pretty bad a lot of Australians tend to throw their food scraps into the bin which ends up in landfill and food waste can't break down in landfill and gives off methane which is a greenhouse gas so it actually has a pretty negative effect on our climate yeah. um so all right if we look at this permaculture principle of produce no waste and layer that over the top of food waste mm. what what are the options um and so yeah we went and had a look at all these different options and found some really really cool stuff like okay we could potentially get a worm farm okay there's this organization called compost revolution who connect with councils in some areas in australia and offer really cheap or reduced price worm farms and compost bins so you might actually be able to get one at a really big discount 
Um, yeah. Or you might be like, yeah, I want to do composting and bokashi at home, but I have no idea how to do that. Okay, well, there's this awesome girl, um, awesome woman on Instagram um, called Compostable Kate, and she only talks about yep. um, composting. So you could learn everything you need to know from her or um, you might ask your council, <clears throat> your local council, if they've got, um, if they allow green waste in their, uh, mm. food waste in their green bin. And some yep. councils even give you, you know, like a kitchen caddy and a, um, a little, those little compostable bags for free. So that's an option. There's also this share waste app where you can connect with like gardeners and, and chicken owners in your area and you might be able to drop their food waste, your food waste around to them. <laughs> There's fantastic. so many options here um, that people can pick from, I think. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing that there are so many options out there. And perhaps I guess the next question would be is, you know, finding them, being able to find all these different options. And as you mm. say, like obviously social media is a great place to start. Um, and Absolutely. then checking your local council um, and things like that. But you're right, there are lots of small steps that people can start taking. Um, mm. I know that you mentioned permaculture um, in terms of broadacre farming. What, what would you suggest in terms of large-scale permaculture that perhaps farmers could look at in uh, production of crops for their livelihoods? Yeah, there's some really interesting stuff happening. Um, I think there's a, a farm called Misty Creek Agroforestry. Have to check that name. Um, yeah. But they're doing some really interesting stuff around growing crops underneath trees that are like food producing crops as well. So heaps of really mixed agriculture. Um, I'm probably more focusing on urban permaculture because I live yeah. in, you know, this very small block in a city <laughs> environment. Um, but I do know that there, I think historically permaculture has more been applied to some of those, um, yeah, those larger scale farms and even things like making sure you've got a really great um, uh, band of native plantings around your large scale yeah. fields or um, installing swales so you're capturing some of that water and, and getting it to sink deeply into your landscape rather than letting it um, letting it roll off. There's all of that work from Alan Savory yep. with regenerative agriculture and you know move, the way you might move animals across your landscape to um, harness kind of the power of their little hooves and things like that. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's, there's heaps out there. Um, yeah, I think the, the way I've kind of learned is just reading, looking for books and, and having a bit of a look. Um, that, yeah, so that's it, right. it, just pick that one thing and, and have a look. <laughs> were, were you prompted, obviously you've, 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 you lived in Spain, um, were you prompted there uh, during your travels uh, by or inspired by some of the things that they're doing in Spain? Mm. Yeah, so when I think I've always been interested in food growing and the food system um, but I prior to moving here to Adelaide I always lived in these really small apartments that didn't really have any space um, so in Spain I started looking I think that's where my um, interest in urban permaculture first started because I yeah. was kind of like okay what can I actually do I live on the fourth floor in the middle of yeah. a city that's full concrete you know what is actually an option here um, and some of that was around, you know, just growing herbs on my balcony or sprouts and microgreens yep. in my kitchen, that sort of thing. Um, but I also had the opportunity to go to England and volunteer on um, a really amazing biodynamic farm up there. It's called Fern Barrow. 
um, it's been around for decades and yep. um, yeah, they just do really incredible work. And I spent, I think I spent a month there living in a little caravan that had no power or water <laughs> um, <laughs> and getting up. It was the middle of winter and freezing oh. I'd come from warm Spain, <laughs> wow. um, but that was, yeah, really interesting to see the way that they were applying um, biodynamic principles to their farm to produce this really incredible produce that was then going to one of the top restaurants in London. Um, yeah, really cool to see. <laughs> and I mean, and we're talking here quite quite a lot of produce as well to to supply the restaurant. So again, I think sometimes when I speak to people about permaculture, they do think it is quite um, small scale. But but there are so many ways that it can be applied to to larger scale production, mm. uh, as you say, in terms of supplying a restaurant, um, or sure. even you know what farmers can be doing as well. There's lots of different things and different steps. So when we talk mm. about we also hear a lot about slow action, so slow food movement, um, slow mm. eating, slow. What 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 does that what does that really mean? Mm, yeah. Uh, well, so I, I work in um, communications and marketing and journalism, and I spend most of my day online. So you know, on the computer, on the phone, and you know what that world is like. It's it's yeah. fast paced. It's full on. It can be quite stressful. The antidote I have found for me personally is choosing activities where you um, you use your hands. So um, kind of getting around those practical old world mm -hmm. skills. Um, for me, that's things like, you know, making jams and chutneys because you're in the kitchen chopping and stirring and that sort of yeah. thing. Um, gardening, food gardening is also a really good one because it's a skill that you need to learn. It's definitely a skill that you kind of hone, but you're forced to do it slowly because, you know, if my tomatoes don't grow this season and I have some thoughts about why, I can't actually test any of that until next <laughs> season. I have to wait. It has to go yeah. really slowly. Um, but that might also look like, you know, fixing things or building things. Um, I've got a friend um, Sam from Folk of All Trades here in South Australia who um, carves wooden spoons so he finds oh, reclaimed wood and just you know whittles away um, these amazing wow. wooden spoons which look really cool mm. um, and I think that this is powerful in two ways you know your mind is engaged but not in the normal way that it would be if you were you know um, online I guess or working yep. or whatever it is um, so you've got you've got focused attention happening. You're you're working on something tangible, so something that you can see that is um, you can see the progress of. Um, but it also connects you back to how things are actually made. So all of the effort that goes into yep. creating something. So when you start to grow your own food, you start to be way more thank thankful for farmers because you realise this is hard. Like I can't <laughs> grow enough food to feed myself thank you farmers like I don't know what you're doing but it's great <laughs> yeah thanks for helping out and I think that it also um as you say like it, it stops you from wasting it because you're like it, it's just so hard this this is so long to grow um yeah. and it's extremely precious and I don't want to waste any of it so then mm. as you say you need to learn or you want to learn skills on how to preserve fruits and vegetables um mm. and all those other different ways to to minimize waste which then comes into the the slow actions that you can implement into your everyday life, like making jams yeah, and chutneys. That's exactly right. And there is a permaculture principle around that. Use small and slow solutions. So you can kind of layer that principle over the top of these sorts of things and think of creative ways to apply it, which is really cool. Um, there's a really great author. Um, her name is Brooke McC um, McCalvary. McCallery. 
Um, and she yep. has written a couple of really great books, but she also has the Slow Home podcast, um, right. which, yeah, if you're interested in kind of how to, because everyone talks about going slow, but then no, no one seems to actually be doing it. But she's, right. yeah, she is really living this sort of life <laughs> and has some really great tips on how to, how to kind of incorporate that into our, what is quite a busy and hectic world in, in Absolutely. most days. I think we could all do with mm. some of that that slow movement in our lives. Uh, and speaking of practical skills and hands-on mm. skills as well, um, what are some of the things that you can share with us or what are some practical skills or what's one practical project, I guess you could call it, that you can share with our listeners mm. um, about working towards this kind of achievement in their own homes, like in their own backyards? Um, what's what's one one project you could you could share with us right now? Uh, okay, well, I think, um, yeah, there's there's probably two that come to mind. The first one is sort of more for people who might not have um, a garden at all. Yep. So, you know, if you're one of those people who, for whatever reason, you, you don't have a space to actually grow food, but you're interested in the food system and having a bit of a go, um, there's a way to do that without needing any garden space. So um, growing your own leafy green vegetables is really a really great um, climate action, home climate action, because um, leafy greens are often packaged in plastic and they go off really quickly. You know, mm -hmm. we've all opened up a bag of um, baby spinach and it's just oh, gross yeah. after two oh, days. Or we've, all, we've all been there. We've all been <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, if you've got space, you can plant a little bit and that's great. But if you don't, you can actually um, just sprout seeds in your kitchen so you just literally you know get some whatever seeds even like chickpeas or whatever you might have at home um, and put them in a jar of water leave it overnight so that they soak up all of that water pour the water off and then you kind of just wait and each day you might you know rinse them off a little bit to keep the seeds moist and they'll gradually just kind of sprout out and at that point, they, um, they're edible and they become a lot of the nutrients in the seeds become a lot more available to you as a human. Um, and it's kind of like a way that you can grow your own living food without needing soil. Um, wow. So, yeah, it's really cool. And you can do that with microgreens as well, with a little bit of soil and kind of let them sprout up a bit. So, so um, once they sprout, then you just put them in soil to help them grow? You like can just the eat them at that point. Yeah, wow. just eat them as so they like, are. <laughs> say, for example, the chickpea. So I have a chickpea and then, as you say, you, you leave it in water um, and then take it, take it off the water, but take it out of the water, leave it, rinse it occasionally. It, it mm. starts to sprout. Will it create more chickpeas? Like, will I grow more? You'd have to plant it and let it grow, right. set, go to flower, seed. So that's like right. a, probably requiring soil element. But if you literally <laughs> are just like... I've got, you know, seeds are, are great because they're shelf stable. You can, they don't take up much room and you can keep like a big stack in your house. They're very cheap as well. Um, so taking some of them and sprouting, you know, having some sprouts each week is a way to kind of get extra veggies into your life without necessarily needing a garden. I've done like probably the world's quickest explanation on this, but um, Milkwood has a great how-to on this. Um, so if you great. want a better description, um, they've got a free guide on sprouts and microgreens, which is pretty helpful. So um, yeah, that, I Fantastic. think that's like a really simple one that people can do. And then if I think about people who might have, um, who might have gardens and be wanting to 
grow something out the back, you know, whatever size your garden is, you could be living mm. in the middle of nowhere and have the most epic, amazing veggie patch ever, or be living on, you know, 400 and whatever square meters like I am and have not much <laughs> space at all. Yeah. Um, but I think a really good skill to get your head around is sun mapping. So a lot of people grow food and they think, oh, I'm terrible at it. I can't grow any of my own food. Yeah. But um, food plants actually need a lot of sunlight um, in order to be able to grow. And most people put their veggies, you know, in the edges of their garden or yep. at the back or against a big fence and it's really shady. So mm. you might actually, it might actually not be you. It might be that the plants just aren't getting enough sun. And often where people put their lawns, it's kind of like the best spot for a, um, yes. <laughs> for a veggie patch. Veggie. So, so yeah, sun mapping is a really cool skill. It's pretty simple. <laughs> it's literally just, um, yeah, you can do it. You can be as simple as just go outside and look at where the sun's falling in winter versus in summer. And, you know, maybe right. map that out on a rough mud map yeah. and then, go oh okay maybe I might be better off moving my veggie patch one meter to the left so it gets yep. more sun yeah um, and there's apps for that as well I think the best one is sun seeker so you can okay. calculate um so yeah so that's a pretty cool skill to learn because then yeah. wherever you go you can make sure that you're putting the place where you want to grow some food in the spot where you're most likely to have success and then you know if you're 100% if you succeed you, you're motivated <laughs> you're motivated and that's the thing I think yeah. um like I take that for granted you know I, I I if I went out to my garden now I'd be like I have no idea where like at where the sun is at what time of the yeah. day you know I do take it for granted I think if you're going to go to all the effort to plant the seedlings and to try and grow the food then yes you need to give the seedlings the best chance that they can have yeah uh to grow sun mapping is a great skill actually i didn't mm. i didn't even think of that one but that's actually yeah. really important it is it's a a skill that you learn um if you ever do like a permaculture design certificate or something like mm. that that's one of the the skills that they will teach you um but just generally i think it would be great for more gardeners to kind of get wrap their heads around that we, we did it here um, because we've been looking at a bit of a redesign of our little garden and we yeah. realized that one of our um, one of our the, the shade from one of our fences yeah. grows to 4.6 meters in winter so no wonder nothing was growing in winter it was just like what? totally in shade oh my goodness <laughs> so, wow um, and have you changed it since or yeah yeah, so we've done a bit of a redesign. We haven't actually um, gotten out into um, creating it all yet, but yeah, we've worked on the plan to move everything sort of over more towards the sunny side. So I'm really keen to see see how yes. that goes. <laughs> Do you grow a lot of your produce from seed or seedling? Both, yeah. Both. Yeah. Um, and if you do use seed, do you use the seeds from the, the produce that you cook with? Uh, yes, uh, we try to um, like let some of all of our plants go to seed if we can and yeah. collect our own seed for the following season. Okay. It's just a really simple, it, it makes food growing cheaper because you're not having yeah. to buy seed, but it also means that you're developing plants that are adapted to your specific climate. Mm. You know, like um, I'm here on the Adelaide Plains, which is pretty hot my sister lives up in the Adelaide Hills, which is a much cooler climate. If I yeah. take seeds from her garden, even though we live 45 minutes apart, they're going to be adapted to a completely different climate to what is my reality down here. Yes. So I think that that idea of um, growing locally, hyper-locally adapted plants can be 
um, really powerful. But I've been saying that I'm actually quite shit at keeping um, <laughs> <laughs> keeping baby plants alive. It's a lot of work. You've really got to it's be. It's hard. You know. <laughs> yes. It's it's really really yeah. hard starting from a seed. And honestly, again, I need to focus more on this slow movement because I stare at it for ages, waiting for something to emerge from the soil. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, but when it does, it's really really rewarding when you see when you see something starting to grow yeah that's that's for sure I think the other thing to mention here is that we don't at our place we don't aim for self-sufficiency and yeah. I I would encourage people to move away from that idea because I don't actually think it's that sustainable yeah. you know it's community resilience that's going to help us all so what we actually do here is we get a um, a box of organically grown veggies from Village Greens of Wollonga Creek which is yeah. a um, a small scale farm run by young farmers down, you know, not very far from Adelaide. Yeah. So um, what I like about that is we can grow stuff in our own garden and when it doesn't work, which is sort of, you know, that's a garden, sometimes it doesn't <laughs> work. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then we're not like, oh, now we've got to go to the supermarket and buy food that was grown according to ethics that we don't really align yeah. with. We can, we can support our local farmers, we can buy directly from them. I mean, how lucky are we that that's a system that we yeah. have here in Australia. Um, but I think if more people sort of made that connection with their local farmers, that um, that back and forth is really positive because the farmers get direct feedback about what consumers want. And I hope that consumers are more and more wanting, you know, food that's growing in more sustainable ways. Yeah. And then we get to give our money straight to the person who's growing the food rather than through the middleman of other, other organisations. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a win-win. Really, mm. really amazing. Um, I've got to bring up something as well. I was looking at your social media today, yesterday, and um, in your stories, fascinating about these parasitic <laughs> wasp larvae that smells mm. the chewing of plants like how do you smell the chewing of plants <laughs> crazy yeah it's pretty phenomenal so this is this is a thing um that I would encourage everyone to do if especially if you're trying to grow food organically is um have a look at what insects you have in your garden because mm. a lot of people think oh insects like I need to kill it so I took this photo of this what looks like eggs or whatever and there's like a, a cabbage um, moth caterpillar next to it and a lot of people know and recognize cabbage moths they're those white butterflies moths that um eat eat your brassicas eat your kale and your broccoli yeah. and all of that sort of thing so most people would be like there's a, a caterpillar there and there's eggs beside <laughs> it I'm going to kill that yeah but actually what's happening there is that there's this parasitic wasp that does possibly the creepiest thing in the insect world oh, <laughs> it is yeah which is um yeah smells out the these caterpillar eating the leaves goes and lays their eggs inside the caterpillar uh and then the um the eggs hatch and and grow and eat out the caterpillar but they don't eat the vital organs so the caterpillar keeps oh. eating and growing <gasps> and the eggs keep growing and then eventually when they're ready to hatch wow. they somehow direct the caterpillar to a very ideal location um and then at that point they oh. hatch out and form yeah larvae and uh, cocoons and off they go into into new wow. wasps which is it's crazy <laughs> it's it that blew my mind like I could not believe that 
And honestly, you have now made me so much more observant (laughs) of what is happening in my garden. Like everything I see now, I'm looking at it going, now, what's going on here? Who's winning? (laughs) Who's battling who? Where is this fight at? You know what I mean? um, (laughs) But I mean, isn't that part of organic pest control? That's exactly right. Yeah. So this this is now. I mean, we don't use any kind of sprays. Not we don't even use organic sprays because they can um, they can affect beneficial predatory insects as well. Yep. Um, so we'll you know we'll do some squashing of like hand picking and stuff like that. Again, our garden's very small. This might not be applicable <laughs> on a larger scale. Yeah. Um, but yeah, getting to know who are the good guys and who are the bad guys is really important. So you don't accidentally kill kill a good guy or um you know so you know we've got a lot of aphids at the moment as well yep. because it's been a really wet spring um and I have done literally nothing and it's been three weeks which I was like okay you know that's getting to be quite a long time but just yeah. yesterday <laughs> exactly but just yesterday I spotted some um some lady um, ladybugs and all of the the different right. elements of what that looks like in its life cycle which is going to come and solve the problem so yeah getting it's it's cool and that I guess is another way of slowing down too because you're walking through your your garden for nothing other than to see what's there it's it's (laughs) fantastic isn't it Mm. it's it's literally fantastic and and you know in such a busy our busy lives you know we're always being encouraged to get outside and uh and you know get get amongst the greenery and what a better way than to walk through your garden and look what's going Mm. on in the insect world yeah the plants. no no pressure to do anything else and you know then it's kind no. of a way of being like oh well if if everything died and got munched it's still a learning opportunity there's still something yeah. to get out of that like what happened here yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and then okay cool so next time I do that it's not going to happen because now I'm aware of, of what's going on mm. yeah lots and lots of learning experiences yes. well you certainly taught us a lot today thank <laughs> you so much for joining You're us on the welcome. from Paddy to plate network it's been an absolute pleasure Oh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. And Corin is part of the From Paddy to Plate Network in our program, a smorgasbord of ag and food experts available to answer your questions. Type Paddock to Plate into your search engine. You'll find us there at number one. Click on our website and sign up to our free seven-day trial. Also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at, you guessed it, from Paddock to Plate.